The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning. October the 14th, 2021, it is 7.02 on your Tucson Thursday. We are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and we are bringing it to you today. We've got uh, plenty of things to discuss, lots of local stuff to discuss today, and some some touchy subjects, and I think... You know, maybe some uh, uh, some things may get uncovered here, That uh, some unsavory things that, you know, kind of seeing the seedy underbelly of the process of things in sports that, you know, maybe uh, some of us would rather not know about. As they say, ignorance is bliss. And uh, sometimes plenty of people just like to, when it, when it comes to a hobby or something that you get enjoyment from, you spend your entertainment dollars on, you don't want to know the seedy underbelly of it all. I mean, some people are just, you know, they want to know all the dirt, and that's fine, too. I mean, that's, that's you know, part of the reason why we're here as well. But uh, there are plenty of things that, that people don't want to know. And, of course, with the uncovering of the emails during the Washington uh, Redskins, the Washington franchise's uh, email investigation has turned over some rocks that we weren't expecting to see um, what was underneath those. So we'll talk about that coming up. There's a very interesting article that was published by Charles Robinson, of uh, Yahoo Sports. He's been a, a, a fantastic NFL writer for a couple of decades now, um, and uh, I, I respect a lot of his work. And he put together quite an article today that we'll uh, we'll talk about here coming up in just a little bit. We're going to talk some baseball as the only game on the docket today is the only game that people are talking about, the only game that people were looking forward to when these playoffs began, to be honest. I mean, I don't I don't think many people are looking forward to whatever World Series is down the uh, down the pike as much as they were looking forward to a potential Game 5 between the Giants and the Dodgers, and they got their wish. Game 5 is tonight in San Francisco at Oracle Park. It is Julio Urias versus Logan Webb. We will discuss that game, of course, in depth, tell you, you know, what you can expect to see. Maybe if you're looking into the trends of betting a big game like this, give you some insight into looking into what that may look like as well. Uh, the Phoenix Mercury last night, it was an exciting game against the Chicago Sky in the WNBA Finals, game two of the WNBA Finals. They even up the series one game apiece. The game now heads back to, or the series turns back to Chicago for game three. I believe that game is going to be played on Friday night. Um, we'll talk about some of that because it started off with, with some excitement. Brittany Griner dunking on people and ended with a flourish as Diana Tarazi showing that once again, she is the greatest women's basketball player to ever live. And, uh, she dominated the overtime period, willing the Mercury to victory in front of several of the members of the Phoenix Suns who were in attendance, including Devin Booker, who was using what looked to be about a 30 year old camera on the sidelines, taking pictures with, like, this gold Kodak-looking thing. I was like, I mean, it was kind of funny. Twitter was all abuzz about it. They're like, what is he do- What is he using? What is this? Uh, it reminded me of the, um, the, the scene from the movie The Internship with Owen Wilson and uh, uh, Vince Vaughn 
where they're talking about Instagram, and he's like, oh, it's, you know, it's this mobile, it's like this photo-sharing app that you can have. And they're like, yeah, that's Instagram. And he's like, I want you to come up here. I want you to take a, act like you're taking a picture. And he tells him to, like, click on top of the camera, and the kid's like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean click on top of here? I use my phone. I, you know, I'm usually taking pictures like this. And he's like, I want you to do this. You know, and he's telling him to click, and the kid is completely uncomfortable, and it was really funny because you got Devin Booker, 20, you know, 22, 23 years old, um, clicking away with this golden looking Kodak device kind of thing, and uh, it was just kind of funny to see him on the sideline of one of those things instead of his phone, which <laughs> I still don't know what was going on there, but uh, nonetheless, it was fun and a uh, really exciting game last night in the WNBA. We'll talk about that as well. Coming up in hour number two, Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats will be joining us here as uh, we're going to talk some recruiting for Wildcat football, Wildcat basketball. Um, the Wildcats have a, a new commitment that recently occurred. Another young man from Servite, uh, Anaheim in, uh, in California, of course, bringing on, uh, you know, the other two, the, on the offensive side of the ball, this one, a defensive player. We'll talk about Jacob Manu, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Matt Moreno. Also talk about a prospective offensive lineman, big time offensive lineman, a potential transfer that could be interested in Arizona. We'll also talk about uh, some decommitments, and we'll talk about some basketball recruiting as well, maybe even get some insight into some of the players that we'll be seeing playing for other teams, unfortunately, that Arizona uh, missed out on other teams playing uh, these pretend, these you know former commits uh, or you know former interested players that are going to be playing in the Pac-12 this year. We'll talk about that as well. So no shortage of things to get into today. We'll also have some NFL news, some U of A football news, as uh, as we get ready for the the trip to Boulder, the Wildcats going to be taking on the Buffaloes this Saturday. That game's going to kick off at about twelve thirty. Right now, Colorado's a pretty heavy favorite. I think they're a six point favorite, six and a half point favorite somewhere around there. This is you know obviously a response to Arizona not having quarterback Jordan McLeod, and based on kind of the things that we've seen throughout the uh, throughout the season there. I thought that the the, the most interesting thing about the particular line, and we'll we'll get into this tomorrow a little bit more in depth. The line, I think, the over under right now is at forty seven. I don't know what the odds makers are thinking. I, I, either of these teams have a very good potential to score over twenty points. Um, so either they're expecting like some fireworks, uh, defensive touchdowns, or special teams touchdowns, or something. I don't know. They know something we don't know. But forty seven seems like a pretty ripe number for the under. Uh, if you're asking me. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, tomorrow we'll have our Friday Five, all of the big picks coming up in college football. And I'll do my NFL Lock of the Week. We'll have a preview of some of the biggest games in the NFL. We'll also talk some NFL games today, of course, as, um, you know, tonight we have uh, we have Thursday Night Football. Not that, you know, most people will be, you know, really tuned into that. Like most people will be watching the baseball game. At least I'd like to think most people will be watching the baseball game. That's certainly the one that has the uh, the higher ramifications. But the Buccaneers do travel to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly brotherly love, to take on the Eagles as uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks head in to take their high-powered uh, passing offense, number one passing offense in the NFL, into the Eagles' uh, nest where they've been playing some pretty good defense this season. And it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the the – the defense of the Buccaneers handles Jalen Hurts without Levante David as uh, they lose their star linebacker uh, for some time in uh, in an injury this past week. So we'll uh, we'll discuss that somewhat as well. But we begin with the email saga that has caused a lot of 
uh, a lot of discussion, of course, social media discussion, you know, around the water cooler, whatever, if we have those kind of discussions, if people have water coolers anymore, or if they're even going to work, if they're just working from home anymore. Regardless, the Washington email investigation, the investigation of the Washington football program, the franchise, uh, brings to light other practices that we were not so aware of, right? Because obviously we we know now, unless you've been living under a rock that was not yet kicked over by this investigation, you know that John Gruden's offensive and insensitive comments led to his resignation, and it led to quarterback Derek Carr suggesting that the NFL, quote, open up everything and make everyone's private emails and texts public knowledge. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down there, Derek. You know, there there is still some sanctity in life in this world, such as people's private emails and private text messages. Uh, and he did say private. He did not say public. He said private uh, text messages and emails, basically saying that that would keep people, that would hold people more accountable. Uh, I, I assure you, nobody in, in the world wants their private emails and private text messages opened up to public knowledge. Period. End of story. Nobody wants that. However... In the world of the NFL or in life, if you are working and operating within a business, um, if you're conducting business on business time using business emails, then absolutely, you know these are you know these are situations that can be brought to light by public knowledge and scrutiny. And uh, and if there's things like what John Gruden was saying, they probably should be brought to light because people need to know that these kinds of things are going on. But there's some other things that are going on that maybe we don't want to know that's going on. I mean, you know, a lot of people were surprised to see about the uh, the discovery that uh, ESPN and NFL insider Adam Schefter had contacted Redskins president at the time, Bruce Allen, who was the target of a lot of these emails. He was, you know, he, like he's a very influential, very uh, seasoned veteran of the NFL executive group. Made a lot of friends. That's who John Gruden was having his discussions with when his emails were were uncovered, and that's also who Adam Schefter, whom uh, he contacted uh, Bruce Allen, the president at the time, to review an article that he was looking to publish, bringing to light some less than professional journalism practices that are being conducted out there by certain members of the media. Uh, Schefter would release a statement yesterday. I thought it was interesting because you know basically. Basically, the way that the, the, the whole thing went down and, and what, was, what was said in the email was Adam Schefter had sent an email to Bruce Allen, who was the president of the, of the Washington team at the time. And it, it, he addressed him as Mr. Editor. Obviously, that's a joke. That's a, you know, that's a facetious you know, type of, you know, here, Mr. Editor, take a look at my story before I publish it. Now, the, the story that was in question, and I'll, I'll just read the statement from Adam Schefter, and that'll help. Uh, quote, he said, fair questions are being asked about my reporting approach on an NFL lockout story from 10 years ago. Just to clarify, it's common practice to verify facts of a story with sources before you publish in order to be as accurate as possible. In this case, I took the rare step of sending the full story in advance because of the complex nature of the collective bargaining talks. It was a step too far, and looking back, I should not have done it. The criticism being levied is fair. With that said, I want to make this perfectly clear. In no way did I or would I cede editorial control or hand over final say about a story to anyone ever. Okay, well, you just did. I mean, that's what the email was. 
there was what he says a complex story about the collective bargaining agreement that was going on at, te- at the time 10 years ago, and he wanted to make sure that everything was, was correct. I'm not exactly sure why he decided to contact Bruce Allen about this. Um, there are plenty of people in the league office. You know, Maybe he doesn't trust people in the league office. Maybe it was going to be tilted one way or the other, or maybe the league office doesn't receive emails from guys like Adam Schefter looking for um, information or things like that. I'm not exactly sure exactly you know what kind of influence he has obviously Bruce Allen was somebody that Adam Schefter trusted he was somebody that a lot of people trusted apparently with some confidentiality uh type of situations and it wasn't Bruce Allen that leaked this information it was because of the 60 uh, 650,000 emails that were uncovered during this investigation that caused this now I'm not a journalist okay I've been look I've worked in radio from the time that I was 20 years old I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been doing sports radio for about 18 of those 25 years, 18, 19 of those 25 years, okay? Um, I have developed sources over time, relationships that I've made with people just from being around the business, from being you know, someone who is genuine, someone who is open, someone who is honest, someone who is approachable, uh, and someone who has developed trust with people. Um, I can tell you this, there's a difference between being a journalist and being a, I don't want to say like a public relations or a, a, you know, a, uh, a media relations, you know, I guess facilitator. Um, I, I guess I don't know what, what you can, you can bring inside information to light without having a journalism degree or without being journalistic. Now what Adam Schefter is, is a journalist. Okay. He is dependent upon for stories to not only bring facts and things like that into the public eye, but also to expand on that by giving his opinion at times. Now, if you're going to someone who, you know, in confidence, you want to have them look at your story and have them, quote, change anything that needs to be changed or amend anything that needs to be mended or added, you are then handing over editorial responsibilities to that person instead of yourself or the editor that you work for. In this case, Adam Schefter essentially edits his own. He's his own editor. ESPN allows him the freedom to do that because of the, uh, the, the work that he's established over time, and he's earned that, okay? Now, a lot of people brought this to you know, to the forefront yesterday, basically saying that he's a hack and all this other stuff, and he needs to to run things by people before he lets them go. First of all, yes, it was a less than professional practice for a journalist to do this. I do believe that in this particular instance, that it was a very sensitive, very complex type of of story that he was going to be writing, and to get a second opinion. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, okay? Only if, though, you're getting a second opinion. If Bruce Allen was allowed to edit, amend, add things um, to the story and send it back to him as a finished product, well, then we've got a problem. I mean, then that's, you know, that is that is a poor business practice. That, at that point, you're becoming someone who is just repeating what the league or that person what, wants you to, to say for them, wants you to parrot for them essentially, as opposed to writing your own journal, your own piece. Um, I, I, 
I, again, I'm not a journalist, so I can't I can't give any kind of um, firsthand you know information experience as far as this goes, because what I do is something that's totally different. I go to sources, I get information from them, I develop a, a level of trust with these sources, and I believe that what they're telling me is is true and uh, and is correct. And for the most part, I mean, very, very, very rarely do I have a source that, you know, kind of leaves me out to dry. Every once in a while it happens, but everybody's the target of misinformation from time to time in their lives, and uh, sometimes it just happens, okay? I try to, I try to keep my statements of absolution uh, as, it, as it pertains to getting inside information. So I try to keep those at a minimum. And I always try to make sure, like, look, this is, you know, kind of what I'm hearing. I heard this name today, you know, like when I was talking about last week when I had mentioned that Kalani Sataki was a name that was mentioned when I was talking with someone inside the Arizona State football organization about a potential replacement for Herm Edwards if and when he should step down, okay? It wasn't like Kalani Sataki he's the guy. That's the guy they're going to hire. They've already talked with him. I didn't say any of that kind of stuff. I was like, look, this is a name that I heard. It's something that some that, that should be on your radar, uh, and just some, you know, food for thought essentially. Okay, that's I want you guys to to, you know, to, to come to your own uh, conclusions on these types of things, and then the news will play out the way it plays out. Unless I have concrete information on something, which I honestly, even when I do, I rarely let that stuff come to light because. I have a confidentiality agreement, a trust agreement with my sources, and we just kind of keep it that way. I I prefer to keep that information to myself, and then we will react and respond when the actual news occurs. I'm not one of those people that wants to be like first and be like, i got to break the news first and got to put this out there first because eventually that will lead to something bad, something negative. Okay, We've seen it every – unfortunately – when you're a journalist, that's kind of the target. You have to be first. You you have to have the scoop. You know, it's been that way for decades. It's not just new, and it's not just in sports. It's in everything. the 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 term scoop has been around for a century, in, in involving the media. Uh, you know, it's been a nickname given to crafty journalists who've been able to get the inside information first out to the people. Scoop, been their nickname. I mean, that's you know, that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, and it's it's not a new term. So when we talk about what Adam Schefter did, yes, less than professional, absolutely. Should the guy be taken to task for it and, and be dragged through the mud for something that happened 10 years ago in an extremely complex uh, type of, of story about a collective bargaining agreement? You want to make sure you get it all right, and you talk to an executive who's been in the league for 40 years, somebody who's a seasoned veteran of all the inside knowledge of this, and maybe hoping that they can expand on something that you may have missed or, or corrected something? Okay, sure. Maybe you omit something like that from your story if you're not sure of the details. Okay? Again, if you're a journalist and you go to the, the, the source of a story – and you only want to clarify, like, hey, you were quoted as saying this. Is this correct? I quote, I have, I have this quote from you. Is that correct? That's totally fine. Okay, that that stuff is totally fine. There are plenty of times that journalists will go to um, their source, you know, the person that that they interviewed, and say, you know, hey, um, you said this, and it's off. Do you mean this, or do you mean this, which which is the actual correct, you know? Uh, factual type of thing, or do you mean this because you think it's this way? 
it's perfectly fine to do that. Okay, and a lot of times people you interview will come back to you and say, "Hey, you know, I messed up. I said I said this. It's actually this. That's okay. All right, it's 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 all right. You don't want to sit there and go, yeah, during my interview, with this person they misquoted everything and they had all the wrong facts and stuff like that. Probably not somebody you want to interview again, but nonetheless, you give them the respect of being able to uh, amend their words before they go out to the public. Okay, some people just like to put it out there on Twitter, just be like, just blast out there and say stuff and things that they should not say before they press send, uh, and that that happens as well. And that sometimes leads to a lot of chaos and, well, a lot of trolling and things like that that happens that we've seen. And, uh, of course, you know, not exactly the most savory of people out there doing those types of things as far as trolling and quoting and making fun of people and dragging their names through the mud. I've already seen it today. Adam Schefter posted something today about Sean Taylor his number being retired by the uh, by the Washington football team this weekend, and the first comment was, "Are, are you sure?" or something like that. It was like, "Did you did you get Washington's permission to post this?" or something like that. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, that's going to happen. Unfortunately for Adam Schefter, he'll never be able to live this down. And in my opinion, it's not. I don't think it's that big a deal personally. But again, I'm not a I'm not a journalist. So, if something were to happen with a radio host that did something, I may think it's a bigger deal than other people think it is. But you know, who knows? ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction live in-person public auction preview this Friday. It's tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can preview it right there at 3911 North Highway Drive in Tucson. The uh, registration is free. It's online. It's available at sierraauction.com. This is uh, something that's open to the public. You don't have to have a dealer license to be able to go and preview these vehicles at the Sierra Auction. And then you can start bidding on those vehicles Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And get the deals you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. For more information, of course, you can go to ESPNTucson.com. Now, all this being said about the emails, who released the emails from this investigation and why? Charles Robinson of Yahoo and myself, I, we both are kind of feeling, you know, thinking along the same lines that I think all signs point to the NFL releasing these emails, and I'll tell you why. That's next. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. NFL Week 6 is here, and FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play, and that's why they're going to give everyone a $10 risk-free bet every week. And tonight's game is the perfect opportunity to give it a try. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay bet with three legs or more. Look for the SGP icon uh, on the markets uh, for tonight's game. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel is going to pay you back up to $10. Okay? It's the Eagles and Bucks game tonight, of course. Uh, Philadelphia playing at home. I like both offenses, actually, to have a big night. For some reason, it just it just screams kind of offensive explosion tonight. I'm going to go ahead and build an SGP today with Tom Brady over yards because their passing game is ridiculous. Jalen Hurts over rushing yards. I think he's going to have to kind of take some of the game into his own hands. And I like the over total points in the fourth quarter. I think this one's going to be tight all the way, and I think both of these teams are going to be slinging it late to try to get that win. Now, there's plenty of reasons why America's number one sportsbook is FanDuel Sportsbook because they feature fast payouts, it's an easy-to-use app, and, of course, it's safe and secure. And let me tell you, folks, you line up that SGP because there are so many different options out there. You line it up with three legs or more, and then when you nail it, 
it feels amazing. Like, you're like, yep, I knew it all along. Pat yourself on the back. Don't hurt your shoulder doing it. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you can get up to 10 bucks back even if your bet doesn't win. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, that's great. Sign up today with the promo code DEAN, my, my last name, D-E-A-N. And you can also receive 30-to-1 enhanced odds on tonight's matchup. You can win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. 5 bucks, 150 bucks, 30 to 1, either team to win. It's just that simple. But make sure you use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at Fanduel, uh, sportsbook.fanduel.com. The same game parlay is available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. Okay, so the emails that we're talking about here. The NFL says that it played no role in leaking these emails that uh, eventually culminated in the resignation of John Gruden from the Las Vegas Raiders. Two sources, this is according to Charles Robinson, two sources that are familiar with the NFL's investigation into the emails uh, said that a sizable number of individuals could have access to materials that were turned over to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times last week. Among them are a handful of lawyers, who were looped into the process while representing the NFL and the Washington franchise during the investigation, a limited number of, ex- of executives in both the league and the team offices, uh, Washington owner Dan Snyder, forensics auditors who extracted the emails, attorney Beth Wilkinson, who was the lead uh, investigator, and potentially any employees with access to sensitive server data, you know, IT guys and stuff like that within the Washington franchise. However, those sources said basically that there's, there's, one, there's one group that they do not believe would have exposed those emails, and that is the NFL Players Association or their executive director, DeMora Smith, because of certain times and, and the ways that, the, that they were released, it would not have benefited the NFLPA. In fact, what we did find is that the leaking of these emails – directly supports the NFL in a lot of things that they're looking to do. A league-run investigation uncovered sensitive information about two high-ranking current and former employees, John Gruden and Bruce Allen. And then a breach occurred that exposed the material before the NFL's own process of dealing with it had concluded. Now, unless, of course, the league itself was part of the process of leaking the emails, the league, I said, has denied. Now, what places the NFL in the spotlight in this particular situation is because beyond this was is that it, beyond the, the, the league's investigation is that it corresponded with Raiders owner Mark Davis about Gruden's emails and then anticipated some kind of action by the franchise, right? So they send these. They, they're like, "Hey, we uncovered these about your coach, um, Mark Davis," and so here's here's a couple of emails that we found. Uh, you know, from John Gruden to Bruce Allen from 10, 11 years ago. Now, on the same day that Gruden's email surfaced about Demora Smith, you know, about the Michelin lips, all that kind of stuff, okay, the league advanced other Gruden emails to Raiders ownership Mark Davis. Now, the result was Davis having a meeting with Gruden, but then taking no action. He coached the game against the Bears, made an apology uh, for the for the email about Demoris Smith, the you know the dumb he called him Dumoris Smith, um, and by Monday morning nothing was happening. It didn't appear that Davis was going to act on the Smith email or that Gruden was going to voluntarily step down. But what happened next 
raises a more significant focus on the NFL, in my opinion, and in Charles Robinson's opinion, of why these emails were leaked. At least part of the broader set of the emails that were sent to the Raiders, okay? So the Raiders received a chunk of these emails that John Gruden had sent to Bruce Allen and to other people, okay? They sent them to the Raiders. The Raiders did nothing about it. They were like, okay, you know, thank you for the information. We'll make sure that we talk to John about sensitivity and whatever, okay? Whatever happened there. However, Monday afternoon, somehow those emails ended up in the hands of the New York Times, who did not have access to those emails before. The Wall Street Journal had the original DeMora Smith email, but none of the other ones. However, Monday afternoon, the New York Times receives a chunk of these emails. Folks, I can guarantee you that Mark Davis did not send those to him themselves, them himself. It was those emails that ultimately spurred the reaction by the NFL had been looking for when it initially reached out to Davis. The Raiders owner was then put into a far more public and far more precarious situation of having to either attempt to defend John Gruden and ride out the explosion that occurred on Monday, or he could fire him. So the NFL says, here's an email about DeMora Smith. What are you going to do about it? Mark Davis says, nothing. Slap on the wrist. He's going to be our coach. Oh, really? Okay. Well, now we're going to send all the emails to the New York Times. Why? I have answers. Stay tuned. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Coming up at some point today, before we get out of here, FC Tucson versus Tormenta FC tickets. The game is Saturday, October 16th at Kino North this Saturday at 7 p.m. Stay tuned for your chance to possibly win those tickets. Be listening for your cue to call, and uh, you could be a winner of some FC Tucson tickets. Okay. So the emails, why would they have been leaked by the NFL? Okay, let's look at the timeline real quick before we move on with some more of the, uh, I don't want to call it proof, but maybe some of the eyebrow-raising information that we have. This was all done around the same time that NFL Players Association director DeMory Smith was, you know, head of the Players Union, was was essentially up for reaffirmation, okay? The, the you know to reestablish himself as the head, you know, essentially uh, to con- retain his duties as head of the Players Association. Now, why would this, why would this benefit the NFL? Well, there's lots of reasons why it would, it would benefit the NFL, to be honest with you, because they have, they have been able to negotiate with the Players Union quite easily over the last 10, 12 years with DeMora Smith as the, as the head of the, the union. Remember, um, this was, you know, an NFL given, the, you know, the they were able to broker the labor piece with DeMora Smith. Um, they were able to hammer out the COVID-19 protocols last year, which allowed a season of uninterrupted play. Look, things have gone very well for the NFL with DeMora Smith as head of the NFL's player, Players Union. So it would, I, I guess it would behoove them to keep him in power because there was discussion that he would be on the ouster. So the emails come out, or the email comes out about him, nothing happens. Then the NFL says, all right, here's a bigger chunk of emails that go to the New York Times now. Now, if the leaked email to the Wall Street Journal helped Smith remain at the head of the union, and the NFL sees 
DeMora Smith as the leader that it can work with peacefully, then it's an arguable point that the leak email about Smith helped the NFL. And if Commissioner Roger Goodell expected Mark Davis to take action against Gruden in the wake of either um, of the of the, uh, any of the emails that were uncovered, then the leaked emails to the New York Times ultimately stimulated the action of Gruden stepping down. Now, regardless of how it happened, that's a lot of outcomes that break into the direction that the NFL has desired. Now, there is one downside for this for the league, and it's a big one. Now, because these emails have become public, there is now a, a calling from a lot of people, whether it be fans, players, coaches, executives, owners, and things like that, including the Players Union, for the NFL to do what it didn't do, what it decided not to do, all summer long when it had concluded its probe of the Washington franchise's emails, which is to expose the rest of the 650,000 emails that were combed during the undertaking. So the NFL says, we're going to leak a little bit here. We're going to, we're going to make sure that we keep DeMora Smith as head of the NFL Players Union. We're going to get a coach fired. We're going to prop up you know, uh, the, the league as being proactive against uh, you know, hateful speech and things like that. And look, that, that's a good thing. Okay? We, want, we want the league to be proactive in that. However, now that they've done this and they've constructed it in their own way and been able to manipulate the media and manipulate the, the outcome that they wanted, now people are like, hey, what about the other 650,000 emails? This is like seven emails that you've discussed here. What about the other 649,993? Uh, well, they're not going to do that. The NFL has already levied their punishment of Daniel Snyder. They gave him a fine of $10 million and basically removed him from the day-to-day operations of the franchise. He's no longer running the Washington football team. Like, like, like all this stuff about the mistreatment of women and people in your organization, you got to go. Here's $10 million fine, and you got to go. The same confidentiality that was just violated by some known entity that appears to have benefited the NFL uh, it sounds like something is going to linger for a long time with a lot of skepticism. To, I mean, just that's and that's to be fair. I mean, there's a lot of people that are skeptical about why these were leaked, who leaked them. I think it was the NFL because when you look at who it benefits the most, it doesn't benefit some lawyer to be like, I'm going to get John Gruden, I'm going to get that guy fired. I'm going to leak these emails, twirling his handlebar mustache and snickering and and uh, and laughing and cackling. Look, this is about the NFL making a play to keep DeMora Smith as head of the players union and to also slap one of its uh, one of its employees who was not employed by the NFL at the time. They're like, "Hey, he wasn't our employee when it was going on. He was ESPN's problem when now that stuff was happening." So, it even looks good for the NFL like he wasn't he, he wasn't a, an employee of the NFL while these emails were happening. Now, all of this under the cover of an opaque investigation that is now better known for what was told to us about John Gruden than what it showed us about owner Dan Snyder, because, heaven forbid, a lot of things come to light about an owner of a franchise who's been allowed to conduct business for a couple of decades now uh, in the nation's capital and one of the most prized franchises in the league. There was no Snyder emails leaked. There was nothing about Bruce Allen's dialogue with other executives inside and outside of the team. 
there's nothing directly referencing any other owners, which, I mean, you know that, that, that all that stuff had to be in there too. So somehow a 650,000 email investigation turned over uh, several emails about a, a former employee or, a, uh, I guess, a mid-termed employee, somebody who had been an employee and then would become an employee later of the NFL, was saying uh, hurtful and insensitive things about people's race, their, uh, their, you know, their sexual orientation, their gender, okay? And there was one email about Adam Schefter, and I don't know who leaked that one or why that was even leaked, about Adam Schefter. Maybe the league's got something in for Adam Schefter for un- uncovering things about the league that they didn't want him to. I don't know. An email about him talking to Bruce Allen about uh, he- editing, helping him edit a story. So 650,000 emails. The NFL got what it wanted. The NFL got to continue to be able to work with Demoris Smith as the head of the NFL Players Union, and it got to rid themselves of a of a person who was a you know a coach of a, of an NFL franchise at the time uh, who was not an employee of the NFL at the time that all these happened. So Snyder gets to move on without a single line of a single email making it out into the public. 649,000 plus emails, a 10 million dollar fine, a stripping of his duties as the day-to-day operations in Washington, but not a peep about anything that was said or anything, any kind of transgressions that were made. So why the Gruden emails? Why not, why not sully the name of Dan Snyder as opposed to John Gruden? Why not, uh, you know, why wasn't there any kind of information about the, the repartee from Bruce Allen? I'm sure Bruce Allen engaged in some of these conversations. If, if John Gruden had confidence in talking with Bruce Allen about the things that he said, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that lead you to think that Bruce Allen may be engaged in some of those conversations as well? You would think so. I'm sure he wouldn't just sit there and ignore it and have John Gruden just continue to peg him with emails about all this stuff, like, hey, what about this guy? What about this person? What about this person? Bang, 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 bang. And for Bruce Allen to sit there and ignore them? No. So nothing from there either. Why? Because it doesn't help the NFL. He's a longtime executive, a very well-respected expected, uh, executive in the NFL. All this stinks. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks. Okay? Somebody leaked those emails, and it wasn't some lawyer. It wasn't some IT guy who was uh, an anti-Raider fan looking to get back at John Gruden. This was the NFL, and I think it's pretty patently obvious it was them. Because they had possession of the emails. They sent one of them to Mark Davis. Mark Davis did nothing. They said, oh, you're not going to do anything? Here, here's the rest of the chunk of those emails that got leaked to the New York Times. Who was, I mean, first of all, if it was, an, if it was a lawyer that had these emails that was leaking them, he wouldn't send one email to Mark Davis and be like, hey, your guy is doing, you know, is doing some stuff here. And then when he didn't do anything, it was like, all right, well, screw you then. I'm going to send all these to the New York Times. No, 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 no. That was the league, the NFL, said, here's an email. We need you to do something about this. He didn't do anything about it. They're like, oh, here you go. Here's the rest of them out in the public. Boom. Now deal with it. We got what we wanted. We got what we needed. You need to tow the company line here. So if you're looking for answers, 
you just follow the timeline, follow the reasons why it would have helped the NFL, these uh, emails get out, and I think it's pretty obvious who was at the, uh, at the helm of the leaking of these emails. All right, let's do it. We got some tickets to give away, 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson versus Tormenta FC. That's the uh, South Georgian team. That is this Saturday at Keno North. Gates open at 6. Game starts at 7 p.m. Call now. We'll take caller number 2 at 719-1490. You're going to win yourself a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson live in action this Saturday at Keno North. Good luck and uh, enjoy the game. When we return, we'll start talking about Game 5 of the Major League Baseball NLDS. That's next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Congratulations to Gerardo Monteverde, who was the winner of our FC Tucson tickets. Congratulations, Gerardo. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the soccer match this Saturday at Kino North with FC Tucson. We'll have more tickets again to give away tomorrow right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Again, Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats going to be coming up at 830. We'll talk some uh, Wildcat recruiting, football, and basketball and uh, anything else of uh, news and note surrounding the uh, football and or basketball teams. Um, let's start with some baseball here. Dodgers and Giants, Game 5. Julio Arias, the winner of Game 2 for the Dodgers, going against Logan Webb, the winner of the opening game of the series. In their matchup tonight, uh, Julio Arias in Game 2, five innings pitched, an ERA of uh, 1.8, did allow uh, an earned run, had uh, five strikeouts, one walk. I mean, look, there's only four pitchers in the history of the postseason who have ever put up the numbers that Logan Webb did in game one of this series. He went seven and two-thirds, struck out ten, walked none, gave up three hits. I mean, it was it was a ridiculous performance, an absolutely dominant performance. Now, the Giants are going to head back home to San Francisco at Oracle Park, where they are 13-0 and when Logan Webb starts. They are 13-0 and this year in home starts for Logan Webb. That is is an incredible number. The Giants had the number one bullpen in the National League this year. The Dodgers had the number two bullpen in the National League. The Giants had the, essentially, what you could consider, I don't want to, I mean, the Dodgers scored more runs, but the Giants were number one in home runs, slugging percentage, OPS, and they were the top three in runs, hits, walks, batting average, and on-base percentage. Okay, the Dodgers obviously led the National League in scoring 830 runs this season, which is an, an, an incredible amount of runs to score uh, in a season. They have got uh, trouble up and down the lineup for other teams. Now, both teams are missing their starting first baseman in this in this series. Obviously, we know about Brandon Belt and Max Muncie. Both of them were catalysts uh, for the you know for their team. Max Muncie is considered MVP worthy. Uh, MVP level production this year for the Dodgers. That, I think the loss of of Max Muncie for the Dodgers is greater than the loss of Brandon Belt for the Giants. Ne- needless to say, uh, they're both missing them. Now, the the Giants did have some success against Julio Rios. Now they haven't beaten him uh, ever, but 
they did have a little success against him in game one. They hit the ball pretty hard uh, against him in several occasions, specifically uh, so, you know, specifically the guys who are really good against lefties. You know, guys like Austin Slater, Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores, those guys who absolutely just crush left-handed pitching um, got to him in game uh, in game two. The Giants' only problem was is that they were 0, and, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. They weren't able to score runs. Otherwise, you know, that game may look a little bit different. Obviously, the Dodgers went on to win that game 9-2, to 2, scored a ton of runs in that game. So eventually it would not have mattered. But if you can knock Urias out early, maybe things change for the Giants in that game. But, look, we'll continue talking about this because Game 5 is huge. And it's just really unfortunate that this didn't get reseeded as an NLCS, as a championship series where it's a seven-game series for a chance to go to the World Series. And it may be something that Major League Baseball wants to look into for future seasons as opposed to expanding the playoffs, reseeding the playoffs, much like the NHL does, and that way you're making sure that you're going to get the best possible matchup at the end before you head into the championship series against the opposing conference. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if Major League Baseball does change their ways because of this particular series. We still got hour number two to go. A quick turnaround. We'll be back in two minutes for hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show here right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.